Bienvenue, French Weekly here, podcast weekly, that's us, yes, we are here for week two of the Liga season and plenty to discuss. I am your host Chris, as I inevitably seem to be most weeks and I can confirm that in the UK it's quite hot, I'm sure it's the same where Phil is. Uh, good evening Phil, how is sunny uh, French district, French region, whatever you'd like oh, to say. It's, How are you doing? It's, it's actually a, a little bit cooler today, just the 29 after we had a wonderful thunderstorm yesterday, which um, woke me up at stupid o'clock in the morning because it sounded like an HGV was being dropped in the road outside. <clears throat> Splendid business. Uh, any sign of thunderstorms where you are, Mr. Jeremy Smith? Not yet. But apparently they're coming. Mm. So we're told as well. Uh, can confirm none here. Bit of drizzle overnight, but we've had no major I thought. Love a good thunderstorm. Well, I'm I'm planning to do about three and a half, four miles after this podcast tonight. So I I have a feeling that the minute I step out the door, we will know <laughs> what's coming. Um, but hey ho. Anyway, old headphones at the ready just in case. Right, let's crack on with this week's show then. So uh, probably, unfortunately, only one place to start. I say unfortunately, um, we'll probably lead into that in a moment. But uh, PSG beat Montpellier by five goals to two at the weekend. And that wasn't the biggest part of the story. However, um, it would be rude of us to not mention the game. So, um, Phil, I'll start with you. Um you probably watched from behind the sofa as we discussed. It was all looking a little bit rough at three 0 but a bit of um, a little bit of pride restored in the end. A couple of late goals. But... I mean, the first forty minutes or so weren't bad. Mm. Um, Thanks uh, to Jonas Omlin. <laughs> Om- yeah, Jonas Omlin, who who crushed all of the ratings. Um, six saves overall. Saved a penalty. There was another great save just after that from Messi, and then. They we're thinking, oh, okay, if we can just get to half time, it'll be good. And then Sacco turned the ball into his own net while standing behind Omlin, supposedly covering for him. And then things rapidly went tits up from there, basically. So Neymar then got a, scored a second penalty, um, which put them 2 0 up at half time. And you could kind of see it coming after that. I mean, Kasri getting one back at 3-0 down was, was useful, but then uh, things did uh, continue. Mbappe getting, uh, Neymar got his second, Mbappe got one, and Renato Sanchez with a late goal before there was a, a uh, consolation for the youngster, uh, Chato. Just looking up how young he is, because I think that might be ridiculous. Is he 17? No, he's 19. 19. 19. But he is called Enzo, so I think you can tell what generation he's from. Um, So, yeah, it was not great. I think that that first kind of half hour, 35 minutes, gave Montpellier some hope, and obviously saving a penalty makes everybody feel about the goalkeeper, but it it was comprehensive in the end and I think Montpellier will have in a sense written this one off so it just is the manner of the defeat that matters and I think if you've got Omlin putting in arguably a man of the match performance 
um, and some pretty good moves from Montpellier and uh, an unpromising defensive line, putting in a decent-ish shift, it's okay. It's not like they lost 5-1 again to Lyon. Um, it's a little bit more dignity at the end of the day, but yeah, we're just going to scrub that and move on. Yeah, what what about, obviously I know you appreciate you've been watching from Montpellier standpoint, but putting aside what, what we'll come on to with Jez in a moment, were you impressed with PSG as a, as a collective, as a unit? Yeah, I thought because we were talking last week about how they looked more organised mm. and you kind of, it sounds a stupid thing to say, but would Mbappe coming back compromise that? Mm. And it didn't seem to, <laughs> although that maybe depends on your view of compromise. But yeah, I think this was Neymar's match very much. I'm just looking at the... Um, at the end of the game, uh, L'Equipe always asks for a, a vote, and we've got nearly 70,000 votes on the poll for this one, and Neymar's got 71% of them for being the best player. Now, obviously, they will be PSG fans or PSG adjacent, but that might also come on to uh, what you're going to talk about next. Incidentally, Messi was second on 14. Yes, and um, and that does tee us up rather nicely to what comes next. Uh, Jez, for anybody who, who hasn't seen it, I will confess, confession time here, I watched this game in, in delay. Um, I had plans on that particular evening, so I caught up with it later on, and it was only really when the the shitstorm happened on, on social media that I suddenly realised. And I, I think, I, I, don't get me wrong, I got the impression... Um, that there was some things going on, which we'll mention uh, to do with the match. This is this centres around the Mbappe Neymar penalty situation, and then subsequent um, moment where Mbappe seems to be uh, essentially just just gives up on an attack. I think that's the only way I can describe it. He's making a run from the left hand side channel. Neymar's carrying the ball. He looks up for the pass, doesn't give Mbappe the pass. Mbappe Wasn't it Vitinha? Oh, is it Vitinha? Sorry, my apologies. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, Mbappe actually. turns away and yeah. just shrugs essentially, and 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 it's it's. I think I think the bit that's concerning is it's um it's a very visible. It's not just a you know Cristiano Ronaldo style. So I don't think it's that. I really think it's that bad. He does chuck his arm up in the air as if to say, "Oh fuck this for game of soldiers." But this was the final minute of extra time in the first half, so he's mm. probably thinking, "This is our last chance to get something." So, that so was let, how I read it, but yeah, it did look a bit petulant. Let me put it to you this way, then, Jess, because because I probably phrased the question the wrong way. There's two sides, two schools of thought here. There's sort of becoming this camp Mbappe and camp Neymar now, where Neymar said, uh, you know, likes some tweets about um, about you know um, Mbappe being a disruptive influence or not being, you know, the right penalty taker or whatever it was. Um, does the question I would put to you is, does this does this immediately point to? oh, God, here we go again in terms of Mbappe. We know he's got a lot of power. We know that this team is built around him. And the the, the fallout from this game is allegedly that he has now said, in his opinion, that there is only room for him and one other of Messi and Neymar. And he's fallen out with Neymar. Therefore, he wants to learn from Messi. Now, Christoph Gauti is going to make that choice. But does 
where, where do you sit on this debate? You know, where, where do you sort of come down on this side of things? And, and do you think it's a big issue? don't think it's a big issue at the moment. I think it could potentially become one. I think it's something that, that Gautier and, and Campos um, need to sort out. And I think the good thing is that it's Gautier and Campos and it's mm. not Leonardo. So I think maybe it actually will be sorted out this time. Um, I I just, uh, I was on Ghanaian TV talking about it and the, the presenter was saying how, you know, it was quite obvious whose side he was on and, he was saying it's absolutely disgusting that a 22 year old is is um behaving like this around people like ramos and messi and neymar and i think that's bullshit i think there's two ways to look at it i think and sort of positively and negatively from from mbappe's point of view i think positively yes he's 22 but he's also a world cup winner he's also arguably the best player in the world at the moment um he's he has carried psg for two years um during that time you know ramos barely started five six games last year because of injury messi is coming back to form but was very average last year certainly by his standards anyway and neymar has taken the piss for most of his five-year contract let's be honest so mbappe has i think absolutely earned the right to say i am now top dog now, whether when you talk about what's in his contract and how much influence he's allowed, that could be causing problems. And I think we said that at the time, and that's that's sort of PSG, the club's problem, and they're going to have to to sort of work their way around that. But I think he's entitled to say on the pitch, I I call the shots, I'm the boss. Obviously, what's happened recent, and in terms of you know the rumours of saying I want Neymar gone, we don't know if they're true or not. But frankly, even if you did say that, can you blame him? Because the Neymar that we've seen the last couple of years doesn't add much to the team. Um, and I still think, you know, with all due respect to Clermont and Montpellier, I still think when they face bigger challenges there's still going to be this issue of you can't have three players not doing any defending and Neymar's showing willing at the moment but that's only gonna I think go for so long and why should Mbappe I think he's earned the right to say you know what I'm the striker I'm your best striker I've saved you I don't know how many times last season why the hell should I be exiled to a wing and do my defensive shift if other people don't have to so I can understand why genuinely from a football point of view, he could say, I'm not averse to Neymar leaving. And frankly, the club have made that clear. They offered him to Man City. The fact is Man City didn't want him. And I think, as I've said, the last two weeks, arguably it's been a wake up call to Neymar and he looks a completely different player. We'll see if he's still up for it in the middle of December or, or well, this is the World Cup, so that changes things. But in the middle of winter and, you know, a away match at Clermont or something like that. But, um, what was that last week? The away match at Clermont. Um, anyway, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, I look, they're three massive egos amongst other big egos in the club we always knew that was going to be a problem we've that's always been the problem at PSG managing those egos but I do think Mbappe has earned the right to say I'm the not I'm the biggest ego but what I say more than the others should go obviously there's issues with any player having a little bit too much 
too much power and influence and you know this thing about penalty taking is so fucking boring whether it's you know Ori and Pires or Cavani and Neymar it's just a penalty who cares mm. apart from like looking after your own stats I mean I do get I do think it's a bit silly oh Neymar you know amazing four goals to start the season if two of them or whatever are penalties great you, you know how to you know hit a non-moving ball yards. And eight mm. yards out whatever mm. but um I don't I just I don't think yeah, I think the penalty is a bit of a distraction, but I think there clearly are issues there. First of all, we should say that, you know, the official line from PSG is that Mbappe's mood was sort of because of personal uh, issues, personal issues mm. and that he was kind of in a bit of a mood all week in training. But are so they, they, sorry to interrupt, are they Cristiano Ronaldo personal issues that don't really exist, I guess would be? <laughs> I know that, that I know the club have to peddle that line, but... We, to be fair, him? they came out with that very early. But, true, true. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. If it's true, then let's give, again, a 22-year-old. He is still a bit of a kid. Then um, don't play him, Jess, would you argue? But, you know, leave him on the bench and say he's had personal issues. Would that not be... Yeah, you're not wrong, but you know what? Okay, the penalty was saved. It was a decent enough penalty, good height for a keeper and all that, but it wasn't like, you know, some shitty Penenka that just fell into the keeper's hands it was a very good save as well mm. he was responsible for the you know he provoked the own goal for the first goal he did score as well it's not like he did nothing The he hasn't played the last two matches you know one and a half competitive matches so he hasn't had the same kind of um pre-season as certain other players and maybe not as match sharp so you can understand a little bit of frustration there i i think people are being a little bit harsh to him and you know i don't think neymar acted even on the penalty incident by the way you know it wasn't like a big fight neymar no. took the ball and bappe said something to him and then walked away it didn't you know it, it wasn't, wasn't Cavani, was it? horrific yeah it wasn't like I don't know, Boyer and Dyer again. And like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think a lot of this is being blown out of proportion, but clearly, when, yeah, Neymar liking tweets afterwards, I think is, well, the complete lack of class that we've come to expect from Neymar, frankly. Mm, um, look, you know, I don't, I haven't always liked Mbappe's ego, mainly with France, but with PSG, I think he's earned a little bit of leeway I think Neymar is the one that's got a little bit more to prove. And I just think it's to sort of watch this space. I think it's been a little bit overblown, but there is but no smoke without fire. And there, there is something there to keep an eye on. But yeah, that that one where he stopped running, I, just, I, I thought that was a little bit overdone. I was surprised. I read about it before seeing it. Mm. And it was nowhere near as bad as I was expecting it to be. To no. Be. I think I think all I would say to, to sum it up and we'll, we'll move on from PSG for another week. But I think the only thing I would say is, uh, well, two things I would say. One is Neymar is, is, is clearly read all the things that have been said about him over the summer and has clearly come out with this, this attitude of, well, A, nobody's actually going to pay my wages. So I'm, I'm here regardless. And B, I'm going to show you. I, I feel like that's, you know, it's people with egos um, often need their buttons pressed to produce their best form. And I feel like he's now in a position where he's trying to say, yeah, you know, you might have signed the world's best players for a new deal, but I'm still here and I'm going to prove it. And if that gets the best out of him, then good for PSG. That's the only the other thing, thing, if PSG play this right, 
then they've got oh yeah you know, they've they're onto a winner aren't they three of the best players in the world if he's if they've got them all playing to the top of their form yeah oh yeah it's it's win win i think the only thing there is that sort of kind of defensive if you want to call it that or yeah. when they don't have the ball issue and the only concern i have with the, with the whole stop running thing was um having played the game i'm sure you have as well if if i was on the same team as somebody did that to me i would be livid i don't think it's i don't think it's i think the media have overblown it but i wonder how the teammates see that and maybe at their level they don't give a monkeys maybe that you know i've never played the game at a professional level but if that was on on a sunday pitch and i played a ball or i'd ignored a pass because a better pass was available and a player had been visibly throwing his toys out. I, I would have, I, I would not have been a happy bunny. But that's just me. I just, I really, but genuinely, and again, it's not to defend Mbappe because I'm not always pro Mbappe. I really didn't think it was that bad. No, no, fair dues. And one thing's for sure: anything that happens in PSG, it's always a massive story, isn't it? Regardless. One, uh, one other thing we didn't mention, which um, probably didn't help matters early on was where Neymar was doing his usual rolling around, acting like he's broken his yeah. leg or something. And, and Mbappe told true. him to get up, which actually endears Mbappe to me a little bit more. Kind of ironic as well, a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> he likes to fall sometimes, Killian, but still. No, um, no, it's not that. It's just, you know, quite right. More people yeah. should tell Neymar to get up. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to see that, etc. and so on. Um, maybe we could send uh, Romero across to France. I'm sure he'd quite happily pick him up by his hair. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Phil, Monaco and Ren. Uh, one one draw at the weekend. Gaetan Laborde putting the uh, the the donned in blue Ren in front. Quite like that kid, by the way. Fofana was sent off early for Monaco, which didn't help their cause. But Breland Bolo took advantage of a uh, slightly iffy bit of defending and goalkeeping um, <laughs> to uh, to secure the point. But the biggest story here is probably that Monaco exited the Champions League for the second successive season in the preliminary rounds. They uh, they got dumped out by PSV Eindhoven in midweek. Um, I just kind of wonder what your thoughts are in terms of, like, we were talking a bit off air before we started recording that maybe it would actually be a slight blessing in disguise in terms of Monaco might actually go deeper in the Europa League, potentially, if they if they uh, take that seriously. But on the grand scheme of things, does this sort of have a whiff of once again, the season is not over, but, you know, that crushing disappointment, like how long is it going to take them for, to get back on track after missing out on the Champions League again this early? Yeah, I think we we discussed last week that uh, a matchup like PSV versus Monaco does sound like a cup winner's cup game from, uh, you know, the, the 80s or 90s. It's big clubs. And while if you were being generous to Monaco, you'd probably say, well, they're going to boss the Europa League. Um we have the small situation where I was just looking at this was the third qualifying round um, and the playoffs are happening this week. And if you look at the teams who are in the playoffs, Monaco should really be in there. I mean, Bodo Glimt, Zagreb, Copenhagen, Trabzonspor, Karabag again. Um, Rangers. Rangers yeah. I wasn't going to mention them to avoid... <laughs> Worrying um, too many people. Maccabi Haifa, uh, Victoria Pilsen. I mean, it's this is where Monaco was supposed to be, surely. And 
the fact that they aren't, again, despite having been beaten by a good team in ESV, is is a is a concern. Mm. So it's it's started badly as early as it could possibly do, and hopefully they'll be able to pull themselves together and they'll take the Europa League seriously, or they could get dumped out of that as well, and then God knows how many branches they'll hit on the way down. Mm. Um, we'll just have to see. So it's, yeah, it's not a good look. And now, obviously, at the weekend, uh, drawing 1-1 with Ren is no uh disgrace, particularly if you're playing with 10 men for 75 minutes. Um, but, yeah, maybe they're not feeling particularly chipper at the moment um, after, you know, the last week and a half. But now they've got some time off before uh, the Europa starts up. So hopefully they'll have pulled themselves together by then. Yeah, 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 agreed. So well, you, you've got a few views on this as well, Jez, and I guess the question I'd ask you just to kick it off is what, what's what's Monaco's ceiling this season? I mean, what what is that there's this sort of uh, acceptance from our part and pretty much every French pundit's part of, you know, who lives in the real world anyway, that PSG, barring, you know, a collapse of economic proportions, should be winning this league every single season. So is Monaco's season based around trying to be the best of the rest, finishing second. And and is this a massive blow to the start of this this sort of regime in that they have changed a lot of players and they are going into a new era. And once again, in early August, they are out of, of the major European competition. What What's your kind of view on this this whole exit that they've had to suffer? The thing is, as Phil said, I mean, I don't, I can't, can't keep up with like sort of seeding or how the how the draw worked but you know when you look at some of those names that that Phil quoted it feels a bit harsh that you know of all the of all the teams to be drawn against they, they were drawn against PSV that that's a tough match on paper and in the in that second leg I think they were you know they were arguably the better team for a lot of the uh, 90 minutes and then sort of peg back at the at the very end of of normal time it's always gonna sort of I guess hit you sort of mentally so I, I feel a little bit sorry for them that they were knocked out but then in terms of where they go from here I mean okay they've lost Chua many who's a very important player and, and they could yet lose Badia Shile for example but there hasn't actually been a huge amount of change, I don't think, in their personnel. I think they've chopped and changed a little bit so far this season because I think Clemence trying was trying to kind of save his best team for those those PSV matches. But it's a relatively settled squad. Um, I'm still not 100% sure really what, what Clemence brings. I mean, just because of... Um, I was looking up uh, Saint-Gilois, the, the, the Belgian team, that they would have played if they'd won and and Rangers hadn't won and um whatever I'm going off subject a bit but basically Club Bruges form massively improved after Clement left um mm. so uh, I'm not entirely sure what he brings um for in the match at the weekend to be fair I thought Fofana was really unfortunate yes yeah, he sent off and I thought Ren were extremely fortunate that Mondondo wasn't sent off mm. so I don't think everything entirely went their way in that match um, but with the players they've got, 
I'm not saying they've got necessarily the second best squads, but they've definitely got enough personnel there to frankly challenge to be second. And especially now that they don't have Europe, like Lyon don't either, but um, you know, they they well sorry, they do have Europe, but they don't have Champions League. Um, I think they should be making a good fist of of finishing second. But I'm still not sure that Clement or anyone knows really what their settled first team is. You know, even up front, you know, Ben Yedder just finished the season like a train last year, but doesn't quite look the same this year. Volland, for some reason, hasn't really been fancied. And Bolo scored at the weekend, but obviously it's going to take him time to settle. He's going to score, you know, he won't score any easier goals than, than he scored at the weekend. Um, the, the midfield kind of needs to re-establish itself without Chiromeni. So um, I feel like it's a settled squad, but they still don't really know kind of how good they are or how good they should be, if that makes sense. Mm, what what their, I used the word earlier, but what their ceiling is, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, they are um, lo- likely to strengthen that midfield with, ironically, a Chiromeni-esque player in Mohamed Kamara from uh, RB Salzburg. Apparently that's been medicals all been done. They're just waiting for that to be rubber stamped, and he's very much in the mould of sure many. Um, Malang Sars come in, I think he's yeah, Sar from Chelsea as well. But I just yeah, I just it's a very good, it's a good settled squad. I think they could easily get second, but they could easily miss out on Europe as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one way or the other. It's, there's no in between, is there? Um, Speaking of, of one way or the other, though, that sort of brings us to like kind of a mini segment. I wanted to talk about the three promoted clubs. Can I just, sorry, just quickly yeah. on that match. I thought, considering they played 75 minutes with a oh, yeah. advantage, I actually thought Wren were a little bit disappointing. I did as um, well. Yeah. And I still think they really need to sort out what the hell's going on with their, you know, Callum Wendell, I think, is a great signing. But, yeah, it is, yeah. You know, I still feel like it feels a little bit like Terrier and Bourgeois are still a little bit unsettled. Mm. Um, and They're not firing, are they? This as season. I said, I thought they were very lucky that Mondonda stayed on the pitch. Um, Alam Dar has got all the criticism for, for mucking up the, the sort of control of that back pass, but I thought it was a really unfair back pass that Joe Rosen made. I don't think he should have made that pass, so I think he should share the blame. And also, Alam Dar came up with an absolutely superb save late on to to salvage the point and i i've barely seen that mentioned anyway which i think's a bit harsh as well yeah yeah true that yeah i, I do agree with you i think any team that plays against 10 men for 75 plus minutes should be looking to secure a win and if they don't i'm then... guessing it was quite hot and uh, it was quite warm well. yeah to be fair yeah. <laughs> but but then it's the same for both teams and all that no but one of them played 75 minutes with the man down True. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's also yeah, warm, warm, but yeah, good, good point for uh, for Monaco in the circumstances of a 10 man. feel slightly disappointed, but uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about the three newcomers then, Phil, because we don't always give them enough love. Um, just so everybody knows, Osea um, and Angers finished in a 2 2 draw the weekend. Osea had been 2 0 up in that game, uh, Jovienne Hutonji and goal. 
Dionian, Salama equalised for Angers. Clermont, uh, I'm going to rope them into this because although they're not newly promoted, we still see them as new. They got a, a 4-2 win, having come from 2-0 down away at Rams. A uh, couple of goals for Andrich in that game and a delicious goal from Sasevich and an equally decent strike from Bella in that one for Clermont. And then the other two promoted sides, um, probably the pick of the two with Toulouse, who won 3-0 away at Troyes, who were poor, it has to be said, but Rital, uh, Ryan Healy, the Scottish youngster, and LaRouche own goal for them. And finally, Ajaxio got what I think is a pretty spirited point in a nil-nil draw, albeit at home to Lens, who we know on their day are very decent. Um, it's kind of nice, isn't it, just to see... I'll say I will probably feel a bit disappointed to not keep that 2-0 lead and win the game, but it's three pretty creditable performances and throw Claremont in with that win from 2-0, from 2-0 down. It's quite nice to see those lesser teams starting the season quite well, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think we do need to, you know, uh, draw Clermont out of this um, as they aren't newly promoted. That was a hell of a comeback. Mm. And Angers put in a good comeback against Auxerre and Angers are not maybe a team you expect to, to pull off that kind of thing. I think Auxerre, they were 2-0 up... It, in 10 minutes, they must have been in cloud nine, you know, first home game of, uh, of the season after you know, uh, going down in 2012. So it's it's been a while that must have really got the stands going, but then it just kind of went to shit pretty quickly. I mean, Dionne got the... Um, the first goal for Angers on 22 minutes and then Salama um, mid-second half. So hopefully they'll be able to keep hold of this, as will Ajatio. But as you say, while Troyes weren't much cop, Toulouse do look like they be, belong here. I mean, obviously, it's not been a long period of time since they went down, and that was a big shock many people um, much maybe off pitch stuff um, impacting on the on pitch performances but it looks like they've kind of sorted themselves out now and that they are back and not intending to go anywhere so I think they're going to be the ones where you're really seeing them hopefully pinning their plaque pinning their flag in the top half of the table and, you know, maybe um, messing a couple of uh, big teams up who have forgotten uh, that they're not just a newly promoted side, but a team with a long history who are used to this kind of thing. Mm. I, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put my, uh, I'm gonna put my, um, my sort of, reputation on the line not that there is a reputation to put on the line but you know um, I think Toulouse are going to finish sort of comfortably mid-table top half I really do I just think yeah. they they remind me of what Lorient were when they got promoted albeit sort of during the pandemic when they technically shouldn't have done I guess but um yeah they remind me of that kind of fairly settled well-managed well-drilled side that had no business really being in league though in the first place um but had to rebuild after the shit show that was when they went down so, yeah, I, I feel like they'll be comfortable 
I think Ajaxio, we all, I think we'll probably all agree are going to struggle, um, you know, unless they find a goal scorer or they'll get a decent run of results. And I think probably the same can be said. Oh, I don't know. Am I being harsh on Osea? I don't know. I feel, I feel like Osea... There's more jeopardy this season, isn't there? Yeah. And I, th- I think with Osea, I could be completely wrong on this. And, and they are, you know, they're a side that... I, th- I think you know what you're going to get by a, a furlong coach side, but they're quite young based upon what I'm seeing. There, There's a couple of experienced players, but there's a lot of 19, 19, 18, uh, 23. I'm just looking down the squad now, 22, 19-year-old goalkeeper. There's a lot of youth there and Gaetan Chabonnier. So I just wonder if that and might Autre. be. And Autre, yeah. Quite a bit later. There is a few there, and they've got um, Rui Zatil, who's former PSG boy. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of talent in that squad, but I just wonder if the youth might be, maybe they might look to add a few experienced bodies between now. We've and also end. got Costo, who's five matches away from breaking the league and records for yes. consecutive matches, yeah, conceding a goal. Rather went under the radar that transfer, didn't it? It's one of those that I had to look twice and went, "Is that? Oh, yeah, it is." Um, so yeah, two appearances for him so far. I think look at, looking at that starting eleven, you've got Jolly and Siniaco who are twenty-two, and the rest of them aren't. Mm. So they might have a lot of youth on the books, but the ones they're playing at the moment, you've got Autre, Janvier, Torpe, who are all thirty plus. Um, yeah, that's so a fair it, point. It's going to be seeing how Fulham manages to integrate some of those youth players or is he going to play it safe and stick with the old heads, as it were? Yeah. At least at the starting 11 point, which I think that's going to be very... Yeah, yeah I, think, I think, yeah, I think that point. To see yeah. if, if they... I mean, many of their... Uh, Substitutes were also 30-plus. So it might be that he's going to think defence is the best form of attack and old heads are better than young and you never win anything with kids, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would worry a bit for Oxair as well, given the situation this year that's more... Um, more jeopardy, but yeah, Toulouse look look good. They look settled. They look creative. So you know, they hopefully will do something like Angers did when they came up a couple of years ago. What Lons have done, yeah, established and, themselves, um, established themselves back in Ligue 1, um comfortably, and I yeah. think obviously that's what they're. Uh, supporters would like but it does look like that could be could be how it works out yeah and let's not forget again just a reminder to those coming into Liga late in the season or tuning in late into the second week four go down so yeah um, is there still a playoff? no no, it's just four straight down right now no So. so they're not going to after bringing in the playoff three years ago yeah, that's gone. Yeah, I quite like the playoff. I'm not going to lie, but um, yeah, it has gone. It's four down, two up this season, and then we'll see what happens next season when they review that. But yeah, the plan is to uh, keep it as an 18-team league. Um, elsewhere, 
we uh, a couple of other results to run down and i've got one other thing i'll chuck at jazz as well actually on this uh Nantes and lille drew 1-1 uh, on the friday night fixture lille sporting there rather fetching third strip of black and gold which is rather lovely um, but, Le Funk was oh, he's, having, he's having a wonderful time isn't he just in time for a world cup some might say I mean, it's oh i looked at um the Twitter trends on Saturday and hashtag LeFont was in second, I think, mm. after some political caper. So, yeah, he's still doing fabulous work. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people were apparently trying to buy him. Yeah. You'd stay where you are because yeah. in a team like that, you can shine. Well, bear in he mind he's actually be a match winner, in and he's already game. been. He didn't he? win, but you know, he already tried it, didn't he? When he went to Fiorentina and came yeah. back ultimately, so it makes you wonder if he might actually think, actually, I'm going to stick around this time. Um, Ludo Blas is the one clearly that is on the radar of particularly Lille, who, of course, they played against on this particular game. But um, yeah, whether he stays is open to a debate. Um, we also saw uh, a draw between Nice and Strasbourg. Uh, Andy Delors, who else from the penalty spot for Nice before Kevin Gamero, arguably also who else got the equaliser for Strasbourg. Casper uh, Schmeichel putting in a pretty decent performance between the sticks for uh, for Nice on his debut, it has to be said, making a few clutch saves. And um, and finally, Jez Marseille on a Sunday evening. Who'd have thought? Not me. Uh, Nuno Tavares, two goals in two games. Um, nicely executed corner to open scoring for Marseille. Pierre-Lise Malou uh, absolutely thunder-twatting the equaliser uh, from a corner um, sort of late on. Well, 61 minutes actually wasn't that late. It was earlier than I thought. My question to you, though, nice is... to see a Schmeichel being logged again as well. <laughs> you had to, didn't you? Um, my question to you is, Dimitri Payet... Um, I was reading this afternoon, it's being linked to the return to West Ham. Of all the things I never thought I'd have to comment on, that's right up there. Um, is there a bit of unrest in terms of, I mean, well, we know there's unrest at Marseille. We covered that last week with Igor Tudor falling out with people. But player being on the bench, Rangier has been given the captaincy. I thought they were impressive for spells last night. Alexis Sanchez has come in. He got his debut. But there's there's been a few outs. Um, and as I say, the, the player one intrigues me because he has been the talisman for many years now for Marseille. He's clearly the you know one of the fans' favourites there. And on his day, we all know what he can produce. But is there an argument that letting him return to West Ham or wherever he might go might actually benefit this this Marseille side in terms of longevity? Um what do you mean in terms of longevity? I just feel like because because he is kind of the star, isn't he? And he is what thirty four now, thirty three, thirty four. I'm thinking the longevity of the squad based around not building around one player, actually shipping out a player who a lot of this team has been built around in the past, and going with a younger model, or going with an opportunity of trying something five. new. I mean, to get Wedgeshaw in, maybe do it. Yeah, well, I feel like it would be a mutual, ter not termination, I feel like it'd be a mutual decision. But I, I guess, I guess may maybe I should phrase the question differently. And maybe I should say um, to you, Jez, does it, do you feel like an influence like him, if he's not playing, will add further credence to this Marseille may not, or it may go off in a bomb type of situation rather than a happy, settled camp 
with the best team possible to be playing in. Is is he a, a toxic element if if he's not going to be playing in this starting eleven, which he clearly isn't at the moment? I think it depends. Toxic element for who? Um, I think <laughs> it's certainly here. I mean, he can definitely be toxic for Tudor. Mm. Um, I think he's probably got the fans enough on side that. You think um, that intrigues yeah. me, but I think he's a big shit stirrer so I think Tudor's playing a dangerous game I wonder I don't know if Tudor ever played against under Mourinho but I know that's one of Mourinho's sort of tactics like you know immediately treat one of the sort of mainstays of the team like shit he did it with um Baia he did it with Ramos to kind of assert his authority so I wonder if Tudor's doing something like that but again it's a little bit dangerous because there isn't a huge amount of creativity I don't think in the current Marseille squad. You've got Gerson, who we know sort of very much blows hot and cold under the same Sanchez. Is he really stood up to it? Um, so if you're losing Payet, you're you're losing a you know a big um sort of yeah, creative found, outlet, yeah. whatever the yeah. word is. Yeah. And it's Payet. If he's not happy, he's gonna not only make it known, but try to bring others with him. That's that's the point I was trying to make in the toxicity element. Yeah, does he bring? You know, you, you look at that squad, and <laughs> I hate to uh, I hate to sort of say it here, but you look at again Doozy, um, for example. Uh, you know, those sort of players are big personalities. If you take, you know, one becomes two, two becomes three, three becomes four, and it can very quickly, like you said, I think Judas playing a dangerous game. Um, but, but also, he is 35, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, you absolutely. Need to manage him. Yeah. Um, it's very hot in France at the moment. Yeah. And, and he, and that's because they do have Champions League football. Yeah, yeah. And, which and is where in the group stages, you'd think manage the minutes. under Kolasinac, whoever. Well, he was even still there. Hope with that. But if they have to be playing on two fronts, which the fans will require, mm. quite apart from the management, then um, you do need a deep squad. And he is, as Jess said, um, one of the more popular with the fan base and one of the more experienced in this league. And that's going to be um, something that they will have to manage overall. I mean, they brought in Klaus, Veratu has turned up, although that's caused some ruptions due to off-pitch issues. Um, There's going to be, again, I think uh, there's going to be some form of Marseille blow up at some point, isn't there? And it's just going to be what it's about. Is it because they're not happy with the results or because they've been dumped out of the cup by, you know, Vinicius Minguet or something? (laughs) It's it's going to be another interesting season for them. And starting off with having problems between the manager and arguably the key player is not going to be good. Because remember, the other key player for Marseille for many years with a small trip abroad was Mandanda. 
Mm -hmm. It's not there anymore. So who is the guy running the dressing room? It's Bayern. Mm. And by the way, for anyone who didn't see this game, I think Akejis Milik can count himself rather fortunate that he stayed on the pitch, having been booked for for an elbow in the first half. He then went on and did the exact same thing just before halftime. Yeah, that was... I thought there was some terrible refereeing this weekend. Complete inconsistencies. Um, you know, you mentioned pass against Clermont. I thought both of Lass's penalties were extremely fortunate. Mm, soft, yeah, agreed, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a few few displays that were a bit sus across Europe, it might be fair to say, this weekend. Um, and a little tip of the hat to um uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna rope adam into this slander um because he's one of us now we, we've we've taken him but uh just a little tip of the hat to bt sports coverage once again last night um i counted 17 premier league references in last night's marseille game so well done jp that's that's a new <laughs> a new high for you sir well done um there was one game that didn't get a mention, uh, unfortunately. Uh, ruined my Sunday because I didn't get to watch it. But uh, Lorient and Leon was postponed. Uh, Phil, do you want to enlighten our listeners into the reasons behind this? Well, it turns out that Lorient um, at the stadium host the, an intra-Celtic festival, intra-Celtic festival, I think you'd say in, in English, Um throughout the week in the run-up to their first home game. And if you read the communiques from both clubs, uh, Lorient are like, yeah, we could have played, we're really sorry about it, and Leon were fucking furious. And apparently the pitch was not protected properly during all of these events. Apparently there were six over six days. So it's not like it was just the old Marseille at the Velodrome Van Halen concert situation. The pitch was absolutely ripped to pieces. And um, so the league is saying we've played at a later date and we are like, when? Tell us when we have things to do. Um, So, yeah, that was kind of embarrassing for the league as a whole, I Mm. think. Yeah, but some of the coverage on the keep is like, seriously, we can't do this, guys. This Mm. is this is not good. Bit amateur, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The the one unfortunate. One good thing is at least we haven't had off the pitch crowd trouble so far this new season, but this season isn't that, that great either, to be fair. Uh, and let's not forget, Lorient used to have a plastic pitch. Maybe they just forgot, oh, actually, we can't do this on proper grass. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm not sure just putting a tarpaulin down and letting people go to a rock concert is a good idea. No, no. Football, footballs, uh, football stadiums and money. Who'd have thought that'd be a, a recipe for disaster? <laughs> but yeah. Um, I know Lloyd Ferry has come out and apologised on uh, social media today and suggestions are that they're going to try and get that game played sooner rather than later. So we shall see. If Lorian win 4-0, I couldn't give a monkeys, but I think we 4-0, that's probably not going to happen. Anywho. I mean, I assume they got permission, but if they didn't get permission, for me, that should be forfeit the match, 3-0 defeat. Is I believe... I, there, was, I, the, there were two pitch inspections yeah, before and one the after week. the last of the events. Mm. And it was like, no, 
Yeah, I think I think it was very much a, the league. They called the league in to say, look, that they, they almost did that. Well, we could play, but why don't you come and have a look? And that and was, the... I think, Leon were implying heavily that Lorient wanted to play on a dangerous pitch. Mm. Yeah, there was much in their communique about the safety of the players, and I think if. You know, we go back to this whole thing that I don't know what the situation at the Moustoir is, but it's probably not owned by the club. No, I th- I, yeah, and, I don't believe And it therefore, is it's not necessarily within their control. Yeah, yeah. That this can be put off because this festival is is a long-standing festival. It's not going to be stopping anytime soon. And apparently, it's the only place they can put it on. Yeah, so yeah, maybe invest in some slightly better pitch protection, put it on stilts or something and have a stage built. You know, I don't know, something. there's got to be a way around it, surely. But anyway, um, I'm glad they chose this weekend and not the weekend I'm planning to go to a game in November. So that's all I will say. Well, they'll probably get rained off now, I've just said that. So that's jinx that one. Yeah. Anywho, uh, anywho, so just before we go, um, we, um, we've we got a little tidbit that uh, Phil's going to bring us at the well, end. By... We have two tidbits, actually, because I remembered uh, when we were talking about the um, French teams in Europe, there were new rules mm. in the Women's Champions League as well, which is that France now has three berths. But... The way it works out is that OL goes straight into the group, PSG go into the second qualifying round, but Paris FC, Juvisy as were, um, will be playing on, I think it's Friday, at about two o'clock in the afternoon, in the second qualifying round against Servette Genève. So there are new rules there, and France, instead of just having two teams, which was a bit of a closed shop over the past couple of years, now have three spots. So that's even more uh, more reason for Divan to try to get up there because obviously OL and PSG have the most money and the best players. But we will see, hopefully, uh, Paris FC, uh, through as well if they can beat Servette Genève uh, later this week. So that's one rule change that um, is going to have an impact. But I think the other rule change we're talking about is many of us were a bit confused about Donnarumma at PSG wearing number 99 when normally uh goalkeepers are restricted to 1 16 30 40 and 50 if you're playing with kids because people are ill uh the rules have changed people you can now have any number you like under 100 <laughs> under 100 it's a bit like american football but this means we've got uh there's kind of three groups i think american football they have like set yeah, they have like decades. So one to 20 is one set, 20 to 30 is another set. But yeah, so it's not quite like that. Um, but this means that we've got uh, 
Group one is basically people have come from the Premiership who want to keep their last number. So that would be Aaron Ramsey keeping 16, Musa Sissoko keeping 17, and Minamino keeping 18. Uh, there's another group who couldn't get their preferred number, so are doing mad things to add them up. Like, I think Lacazette is wearing 91 because that's the year he was born, but also 9 plus 1 equals 10. And yeah, the old Samarano, the old Samarano inter. But the uh, very interesting group is those who are wearing the numbers of their department. So in France, it's like counties in Britain. Um, Every department has a number. So like my department, Errol, is 34. Um, so we've got quite a lot of players who have picked numbers specifically because they're the uh, number of the department where they were born or where they play. So Autre is 29, Etienne Green is 42, which is La Loire, where South Etienne is based. Tube, it's 92. A bit cheeky of him, considering he's chosen to play for England. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think this might be, if I have to pick a number, I'm picking a number that the fans are going to like. Curry favour, yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does feel a bit like uh, some people are just trying to curry favour. As it were, but yeah, as uh, we mentioned earlier, Wabi Kazri is also playing in 99. For maybe if Etienne Green improved his form and played a bit better than he has the last couple of matches, he'd curry more favour. There is also (laughs) that, yeah, there is also that. But, um, that's a Thai food joke from Joan, very good on the ball, see. Um, green curry. No, no, no! I just meant <laughs> was... he wasn't playing very. He hasn't been playing very well, and if he wants to keep his fans happy, probably should make some saves rather than pick this local numbers. True. This future England number one, by the way. Apparently, this. I was season. overthinking that. Clearly. Oh, I like I like the Green Curry reference. I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, right, just before we go then, we'll very quickly just give you an idea of the fixtures for the upcoming week. Uh, so Friday, my mouse is running out of battery, it's doing my head in, so I'm just about able to scroll the page. Here we go. Uh, Lyon versus Troyes is the Friday evening game, 8pm UK, 19th of August that is. Monaco against Lons, that should be fairly tasty if you uh, fancy a bit of afternoon Saturday action, 4pm. Marseille against Nantes, uh, that's Marseille in the evening, but on Saturday this time, adjust your calendars, people. Well, should be a decent well, Wait to see if Lafont can yeah. frustrate uh, Marseille's possibly not that creative attacking line. Yes, we shall see. And Marseille seem to be still doing plenty of business in and out, so there could be some more movement there before the weekend as well. Uh, Strasbourg um, are at home to Rouse. That's the Sunday midday game. The, uh, for the four games at 2pm, Angers hosts Brest, uh, Clermont, Host Nice, Montpellier against Auxerre and Toulouse against L'Oréal. Oh, is... that I think that should be fun. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping for maybe for not from your but... point of view, Chris. But... Yeah, exactly. I'm a little bit apprehensive about that, but um, we shall see. Uh, the 4:05 p.m. game on Sunday is Rennes against Ajaccio. You would think Rennes will be looking to get all three points in that one. 
And uh, Lille PSG is a pretty spicy offering for the Sunday evening game. Uh, look out for all your tasty Premier League references in that one, because that is live on BT Sport uh, at 7.45 UK time. But yeah, should be a decent watch, that one. Um, we're not going to do tables at this stage of the season, because two games have been played. It'll be quite pointless. Um, but I would just say it's been a decent start so far. There been plenty of goals around, and it's been pretty entertaining um, at this stage of the season. Transfer window is still open. Uh, I think what we're going to do is revert to what we said last week. We'll probably do a bit of a sum up at the end of the window, uh, unless there's any sort of major signings. So Andre Nana, uh, Andre Nana um, I've forgotten his first name. The lad who's gone to Everton. What's his first? Amadou, thank you. Andre Nana's a goalkeeper, isn't he? Um, Amadou Nana has completed his move from Lille to Everton. There is a bit of speculation. Uh, the, the best one I saw was Mauro Icardi's being linked with Manchester United. If him and Rabio and Veronique all end up in the same place in Manchester, oh, can you imagine yes, the fun? There is. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. Anyway, uh, we'll wait and see if that happens. Um, we will leave it there then, because I know Jez has a hungry little one to feed. Our to our to our to Nottingham Forest. Is that what the one? Yeah, that's that's quite the fall from. Oh, is that why I keep seeing all the tweets about mm. how to pronounce his name again? Yes, indeed. Yeah, that is apparently yeah. in the latter stages. So, uh, hey, if you want Premier League, you got to take what you can get, right? So. Um, mm. Anywho, uh, so yeah, we'll leave it there. But um, my thanks to both Phil and Jez for your time this evening. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, go and look after that little one, Jez. And uh, we will be back, uh, as, as always, same time, same place next week, where we will look back at the weekend's action and uh, see who still likes who at PSG, because I'm sure there'll be more of that over the weekend. Uh, but until oh, yeah. then, <laughs> until then, enjoy your French football and we will speak to you very soon.